and great guys, great men of God that I respected very much, you know, that, that I would listen to, and they would say, well, you know, when you look at the first century church, it was more descriptive and not prescriptive, meaning that this was just a description of the way things were, not necessarily a prescription for the way that we should do things now. That we have the church now, and that's a very effective way of doing things, and we have this thing that has been laid out for a very effective way of reaching people through the church, and, and this is the way that the church is supposed to be. And I go, well, who came up with this idea? And I go, well, maybe we should look at what the first century church looked like. And maybe we should do things more like what they did and less like what we do now. Maybe, maybe the, the church now has become more man-made. And maybe we need to pause things for just a minute and say, are we doing the right thing? Let's take a look at Scripture. And maybe we should do things more like what they did in the first century church and less like things that we do now. Because what happens over time is man screws things up. Am I right about that? Amen. Can we agree on that? That as time goes on, little by little, we end up screwing things up. We don't necessarily mean to. It's just the way things happen. Uh, one of the things that creeps in is pride. As soon as pride creeps in, then you got things like money starts to creep in. And then we got selfishness that starts to creep in. Then we got all kinds of other stuff that starts to creep in. And before you know it, it's way away from what we originally intended. Right? Am I right about that? Yeah. Am I right about that? And then, and then what happens is, then we got, then we got one particular group or, 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 or body of people that are doing one thing, and another group starts getting jealous of what they're doing because they got more, right? And then it starts to become a competition of who's got more. Who's got more fans on which side of the stadium, right? Like, like that, that's the American culture in particular is, is we got, who's keeping up with the Joneses, right? That's the way we like to do things. Uh, you know, I, I tell this story all the time. It's, it, I think it's a pretty interesting story. Um, McDonald's did a lot of research. I mean, like the premier in the fast food chain, right? We, we all would agree with that. Like, if you are hungry and you're in the United States, or even pretty much around the world now, you can pretty much find a McDonald's anywhere. You can, Just about from anywhere in the United States, you can walk to a McDonald's. I mean, am I right about that? So McDonald's, they, they have, they're the upper echelon of if you're hungry, you can find one, Okay. So what they did is they had tons and tons of people that were really, really well-versed in market research and where they should, they should place their McDonald's locations, especially in the early days. Now they just put one everywhere, so it's not really hard for them to pick locations. But then back in the early days, they were very strategic about where they put their locations. And they spent millions of dollars like investing in these market analysts that would go and research the locations and where they were supposed to put their McDonald's locations. And, and, and so Burger King came along, right? And Burger King was like, oh, we got to figure out where to put our Burger Kings, you know? And they're like, do we need to spend millions and millions of dollars to figure out where to put our Burger King locations? No. You know what they did? They just put one across the street from every McDonald's. <laughs> we don't need to spend the money. McDonald's already spent the money. We'll just build one across the street. Am I right? You look around and everywhere you see a McDonald's, what do you see? A Burger King, right? That's exactly what you see. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you that I really believe that the American culture has really had a great impact on the American church. And I really believe if you go to other countries, you will see a church that is very, very different than what you see here in the United States of America. And I will say this too. Here in the Bible Belt, in the Southeast you will see a very different kind of church than you will see in other places in the United States of America. 
Here in the Bible Belt in particular, and, and I really, I started questioning this a lot because God really laid this on my heart because I really struggled with God. Why didn't, in the world did you call me to start a church in Oxford, Alabama? Like there's a jillion churches in Oxford, Alabama, right? Like there's a bunch of them. Like it does not make any sense whatsoever that we would just have another one right amongst a whole bunch of other churches. Like why would you do that? Like there's a bunch of them. People can go anywhere to another church, right? So I really started to ask God that question, you know. And, and I really, I, I, I think, and I really believe this is because it's because God really challenged me with a lot of questions. And I'm not afraid to ask questions. And I'm not afraid to ask the questions that God was asking me. And I'm not afraid to challenge the status quo. And, and I didn't go to seminary and I wasn't raised in seminary. And, and, and I sat in deacons meetings and, and, and I, I, I've been through the whole big church thing. And I know what that's all like. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with the big churches. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying though is that God really challenged me through a lot of that to look at the church and say, what are we doing? Does it make sense? Is it exactly what God has called us to do? Or is it just us shaping and molding it into what we want it to be? Is it us just taking something and just making it like the McDonald's across the street? Just taking a, something that we've already seen done before and just making another one just like it. Because I guarantee you, when God called me to start Simple Church, there was one thing that I did not, would not, could not do, Sam I am. It was not that I could take another church and just do the same thing that's already been done and just do it across the street. I mean, I got into a ton of arguments, uh, uh, you know, with, with some of our, our leaders. Not arguments, we were just picking at each other, but conversations, let's call them that, about well, shouldn't we do this? And I would go, well, why are we going to do that? Well, that's what you do when you start a church. <laughs> well, <laughs> did God say we were supposed to do that? Well, no, but that's what you do when you have a church, right? Like, well, I don't know. Should we? Should we have them fill out a visitor's card so we can put them in a stack somewhere and not visit them? Should we, should we go knock on their door and drive them crazy so that they can come to church one time out of guilt just to get us off their back? If they're not going to follow Jesus anyway, I mean, what's the purpose? You want to beg them and plead with them? Please come to church. Please come to church. I, want to, I just want you to come and please come sit beside me at church. And then they come one time. And they go, are you happy now? I came to church. And then they never come back again. You know what? I mean, people that are curious, they're going to come in here. And I want you to invite people to church. Don't get me wrong. I really do. I want you to invite people to church. But they're only going to come to church. They're really going to stay with you if, you if you show that you love them and you care about them. If you go and you knock on their door, you can go and knock on their door, but you've got to show them that you love them. Okay? You've got to show them that if you just show that, that you're just there to invite them to church, then more than likely they're not going to stay. But people that you love and you care about and you genuinely care about their soul, then they're going to come to church and, and they're going to genuinely listen. But people that you just come and knock on their door, just, they're just going to come to get you off their back. Okay? And more than likely, they're not going to stay. More than likely, they're not going to stay. And that's the reality. So the whole idea of filling out a visitor's card, I said, well, why are we going to do that? Why are we going to have them fill out a visitor's card? Well, I don't know. That's just what, that's what you're supposed to do, you know? So, well, I don't know if we should do that or not. 
I mean, maybe if we see down the road that we need visitors' cards, maybe we'll do that. Well, should we have church bulletins? Well, I don't know. Why, why should we have church bulletins? So they can throw it away in the trash can or so they can get 10% off at, at struts? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I, maybe that's the reason we should have bulletins. Now, I, I apologize to all of you that aren't getting the discount at struts on Sunday afternoons. I do, I, and I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. Can I show you my phone? I got, we got stuff on the internet. We got, can I show you my Facebook page? You know, but anyway, so... Like, we really had, I said, that's a waste of paper, it's a waste of ink, and that's money that we could be using. We could send it to kids in Haiti that don't have anything to eat. We could be sending it to orphans in Haiti. Instead of wasting money on paper and ink, why don't we do that with it? You know what I mean? Like, why don't we challenge the status quo a little bit and stop doing what's been done across the street? And let's just, let's just do what God's called us to do, you know? So, I, I, I mean... Is that the reason God called me to start Simple Church? I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And I'm going to try my best to do it the best way I know how to do it. And I hope some of you guys want to do that with me. I really do. And I hope you'll come back, you know. But if God hasn't called you to come back, then I hope that you won't come back. And, I don't, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, and I'm going to beg and plead, please come back so we have a bigger crowd on our side than they have on their side. I, I don't want that. I want people that are fully devoted to Jesus Christ and that are listening to the Holy Spirit of God, and if God has called you here, then please come back. Let's do this thing together, and let's go, and let's take on the world, and I don't care who says that we're crazy, who, who says that we're lunatics. I don't care if they say that we're a cult. I don't care what they say. Let's just go, and let's do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's do it because God said that we're supposed to, and let's not worry about what anybody else says. And I, I don't... I don't say these things to be radical, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to write a book or anything. I'm really not. I'm just, like, I, I just look at things and I, you know, I read, the, I read this book and I go like, why? I go, why are we doing things the way we've been doing them? I, so, so we're going to be today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And everybody, when they talk about Acts chapter 2, I mean, like, so this is going to be contrary to what most people do too. So when they talk about Acts chapter 2, we're going to be talking about, you know, people say we're going to talk about Pentecost and there's going to be the Holy Spirit coming down and we're going to be talking about people talking in different languages and we talk about Peter standing up and preaching and 3,000 people being added to the church and man, man, it's going to be a good day. We're talking about Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. We're probably not going to talk much about that, okay? Everybody's like, what? What are you doing, man? You're skipping over the best part. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm sorry, okay? Take it up with God. He's the one that kind of showed me what we're supposed to talk about today. And those are great things, and, and you, should, you should go read it, man. Go, go read it when you have time at home. Go read all about Acts chapter 2 and about what happened there and, and ask yourself questions and, and ask yourself questions about what happened there and go and study it for yourself. Don't, don't wait on me to preach on it for you to go and study about it. You just go study it for yourself. Think about how you, what your stance is on certain spiritual gifts and that sort of thing. Go and figure it out for yourself, okay? Acts chapter 2, we're actually going to look at, at verse 42 is where we're going to start. We're talking about believers forming a community. Believers form a community. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says this. All the believers... All the believers, all the believers, 
Maybe I should say it. You know, in the Bible, they would say it three times if they want to emphasize it. Maybe I should say it four times. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They were devoted to this idea of believers coming together to be together, to understand more, to pray together, to share meals together. And they were devoted to that. I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. People call themselves believers sometimes, and and I don't see them very devoted to this kind of stuff. Here in the first century church, man, these are people that just believed. They they believed that that what, what Peter was saying was true. Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. So they, they believed that. And he goes on to say that you're supposed to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. So they believed, and then they were baptized. And it says all the believers devoted themselves to getting together, to praying, to eating together, to fellowship, to learning together. You know how rare this is for believers to actually do this, man? This is actually a rarity in today's culture. It really is. Now, I I believe that that sometimes people come to church on Sundays. I I believe that that people come to church on on Sundays from time to time. Um, I know that because there's usually about 200 people in here on Sundays and and that's a great thing, and I'm tickled to death that there's 200 people that come here on Sundays. Now, it's, here at Simple Church, we have a thing that happens. So we have a few core people that come pretty much consistently, okay? But about every six weeks, we have a swap out of, of a good portion of those, and, and we have a new rotation of people that will come in, and they'll be here for a little while, and then in another six weeks, we'll have another swap out of another large group of people that will come in and out. And it's a revolving door thing that happens. Now, do you ask, you ask me, now, why does that happen? Um, I, I don't know necessarily. I, I think that because of the kind of the nature of simple church and kind of the way that we are, I don't know why people don't stick around. I don't know why it is that they don't get involved. They don't get connected into small groups. I don't know why it is that they don't feel like they fit in or whatever the issue is. I, I've, I, I lay awake at night thinking about it and praying about it. But I really believe it has to be a conscious effort on their part, wanting to be connected, wanting to be discipled, wanting to be a part of what God is doing. And if they aren't, then sometimes they move on. And there's nothing I can do to control that. And it's all in God's hands, so I do my best to teach you the best way I know how to teach you. But I can't make you stay. I can't make you stay. And that's just something that we have here at Simple Church. We'll have groups come in for a period of time, and then they'll leave. It's It's just the way that it is. But I want you to know that the early believers, they were devoted. It doesn't say that they came every once in a while. It doesn't say that they, they thought it was a good thing for them to go because that's what you do in the Bible Belt. You go to church on Sundays. It doesn't just say that they, they got together to eat or to hang out. 
Didn't get, didn't, they didn't just get together for fellowship. They got together for prayer and, 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 and for teaching. They were devoted to it. Devotion is, is way different than just getting together once a week, isn't it? It's way different than just hanging out together. See, I, I think that, that here in the Bible Belt, we have just... I mean, and maybe, I don't know, maybe this is the reason that, that God has kind of placed us where he has placed us. It's because we're supposed to challenge this idea that, that you, you're not, it's not just okay just to hang out together on Sundays and say, high five, good job. You've done your duty for the week, now, now go and do whatever you want to. There's no reason for you to pray or, or for you to study God's word or you to devote yourself to God's teaching. No reason for you to do that for the rest of the week. You've done your duty for Sunday, so you're good, man. You're obviously a believer. I mean, I really, if you're not devoted to these things, how can you call yourself a believer? I mean, really, I mean, I'm not trying to, to hurt you or, or to make you cause you to have doubt in your salvation. I'm just looking at God's word and saying what it says. Like, I mean, you, you really should look at it and go, well, I don't know if, if I'm like these people. They, these were believers, and I don't know that I'm like them. I go to church on Sundays, but, but here, I, I think it's easy to call ourselves believers because we just look at who's across the street and we say, well, I'm just like them, and they call themselves believers. Right? I mean, that's what we do. We, we, just, we just copied what was across the street and say, well, they said they're believers, so I must be good. I'm just like them. Then you have to ask the question, am I comparing myself to the word or am I comparing myself to the person across the street? Because I guarantee you it's a lot easier to compare yourself to the person across the street and not so easy to compare yourself to the word. And see, this is another reason why people won't come back. They say, I would much rather go to a church where we go and we talk about comparing ourselves to the person across the street instead of going to a church where we talk about comparing ourselves to the word. If you come here, it will not be easy. It will not be easy because God's word is not easy. It is not easy to hear, okay? There is encouragement in God's word, absolutely. There is good news in God's word. The whole gospel is good news. But what I want you to understand is God often talks about, Jesus often talks about the difference between those that are real believers and those that are pretending to be believers, that there is disparity between those that are mixed in, pretending like they really are believers, and those that really aren't. Those that are deceiving themselves. And you're like, well, that makes me very afraid, Kenny. That makes me very scared to hear that. It should. It should. It should make you so devoted to prayer and to God's word. You go, man, I want to know the truth. Please tell me the truth. I want to know the truth. People were devoted. They didn't just, they didn't just come. They were, they were devoted. And I believe that, that they care deeply about each other. And we're going to see that in just a second. But, but this prayer, I think it goes beyond just, here's my laundry list of things I need, God. Here, here's my laundry list of things that, you know, I need more money. Um, I got this going on. I, I need you to fix this. I got a bro- broken relationship here. I need you to... Mend this, fix that. Listen to what it says in verse 43. A deep sense of awe came over them all. 
A deep sense of awe came over them all. I think that we're missing this awe. Do you come to church on Sunday? Or God forbid, Wednesday night? Or even more radical than that, Sundays for small groups? Do you you come to be a part of a group of believers in awe of God and who He is? You know why I have a difficult time believing this is true? This, I'll tell you why I, uh, this hurts me. Well, uh, for those that do come to small groups, and look, I, I'm incredibly thankful for you that do, and I am, uh, I really am. Uh, I lead the 20-something small groups, and uh, I love every one of you, I really do. And I would lay down in front of a bus for any one of you at any point in time. I really would. I've been part of men's small groups here in the building. And I've uh, been part of small groups when we uh, traveled to Haiti. And we spent a week long serving in Haiti. You know what, what hurts me is uh, we'll get in our small groups. And maybe I'll ask the question... Let's, let's talk about how good God is. Let's talk about what God has done in our lives. You know who will speak up? Occasionally you'll get somebody, but mostly it's silence. Yeah, I mean, I, and I don't know if it's just fear of saying anything, but if you were truly in awe of who God is, if you were truly in awe of what God has done and his might and his power and the radical change that has happened in your life, how could you not talk about it? How could you sit quietly and go, I'm good, I don't have anything to say. I don't think, I don't think this group of people got in a a circle and Peter sat down and go, he probably went, does anybody have anything to say about how good God is? And they all just sat there and went. Do you think that happened? You think that's what happened? Can anybody speak up and say anything about how, how good God is or how in awe you are of his might and his power and his glory? And they all just sat there on their hands and went. Or looked down at the floor waiting for somebody else to talk. I imagine in this circle, there are probably hundreds of people screaming, let me talk. Let me say something. Let me tell you about what God did in my life. Let me tell you about the people that I was able to reach with this power and might that God has put inside of me that is the Holy Spirit. Don't you think that's probably what happened there? But what has influenced us here 
in the Bible Belt, in the United States of America? What has influenced us here? We're so worried about everybody else. We're so worried about what somebody might think. We're so worried about somebody thinking, even within the context of our small group, we're so worried about somebody thinking that we're some kind of religious zealot, some kind of freak, some kind of Jesus freak, that we won't even speak up in the context of, of a church small group. We won't even speak up and talk about how good God is. How in the world are we ever, ever going to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to everybody else if we won't do it in the context of a church small group? What does that say about our awe and wonder of who God is? So we have to wait on somebody to take a leadership role in our small group because everybody else is too afraid to say anything. We have to wait for somebody else to stand up and say something like, okay, this is what I think we should talk about today. It's sad. It makes me sad. It makes me sad. And, and what's... what's I mean, and, and that's the people that come to small groups. There's some people that won't even come to small groups because they're afraid they might have to talk. Or worse, that they might feel bad if they don't talk. Kenny would just make us feel guilty if we don't talk. So I'm not going to come, and that way I won't feel guilty at all. What, what does that say about your all? What does that say? Now, I want you to understand something. Listen to verse 43. I don't know if this message is going to take four hours. I don't know about you people on Facebook Live. People here may get tired. I don't know. Verse 43 says, A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Now notice it doesn't say that the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Then everybody was in awe. It doesn't say it that way. It's not like that they were in awe because of the miraculous signs and wonders. It says that they were in awe and also that they performed miraculous signs and wonders. It's not like that it was just because of these miraculous signs and wonders that they were in awe. They were in awe of God. And then also, and by, by the way, in addition to that, the apostles were able to perform many miraculous signs and wonders. Because some people want to look at that and go, well, Kenny, if you would do something like levitate off the stage or something, then... Then I would be in awe of God. Now what's interesting to me is that you know what kind of wretch you are and how awful your sin is. And you know how God can transform your heart and turn you into a new creation. But that doesn't put you into awe. But me levitating off the stage, now that would put you into awe. It says, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, this word all keeps jumping out at me. Does it keep jumping out at you? And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. Kenny, don't go there. Don't start touching my money. You can talk about whatever you want to. Don't, don't start dealing with money up here. You're not supposed to be all about the money because that's what the big churches are all about. Don't be like that. I want you to know that the standard in the New Testament is not, not 10%. I want you to know that. The tithing is not a New Testament principle. You know that, right? The 10% was an Old Testament principle. 
it was used not only for giving to the church, but also for maintaining the nation. Things like roads and taking care of the government, if you will. That's what the tithe, that's what the tithe was used for. 10% was used for that. What is the New Testament principle of how you're supposed to give? The New Testament principle is to give everything. The New Testament principle is that you sell everything and you give it to the church. Like any of you telling us to give everything, I'm telling you to give everything God tells you to give. And we're going to talk about a couple named Ananias and Sapphira that were told by God to give something and they didn't give it and it didn't work out so well for them. As we go through the book of Acts, you're going to see what happened to them. I'm telling you right now, when God tells you to give, give. And it's not for fear of the punishment from God. It's because you have a genuine faith and trust in what God is doing because you're in awe of who he is and what God will do with what what God has blessed you with because he has given you everything that you have. It all belongs to him. So you want God to use it for his glory to give to those who are in need, those that are in genuine need. And listen, y'all, there ain't nobody in this room that's in need, okay? There ain't nobody in this room that's in need. Can I tell you that right now? I, I, I don't say this boastfully, okay? I don't, I'm not telling you this boastfully. I met a guy this morning. I took him to Walmart. He'd been homeless for a few weeks now. Uh, his shoes had no shoelaces in them. His pants were about four or five inches too short. Um, I took him to Walmart, got him a sleeping bag, got him a backpack, got him some batteries for his flashlight, um, got him some socks, some shirts, that kind of stuff, you know. That guy had a genuine need. That guy had a genuine need. When we go to Haiti, and we see people drinking out of the creek. And when I say the creek, the creek's not moving. It's just sitting there. And it's stagnant water. And you know at any point in time, man, that creek calls them to die if they drink out of it. That's genuine need. And you hold kids in your arms that, that ain't, they don't have clothes. It's not because the parents just let them run around naked. It's because the kids don't have clothes. That's genuine need. See, we, we're supposed to give to those in need. We're supposed to give to those in need. And we need to be very careful about how we, we, we use this money that God has given us. Okay? So, so I want you to know something about Simple Church. This is very important for you to know. We are very careful and very meticulous about what organizations we partner with and where the money goes. So when you give, and we give to other organizations, we are very meticulous about making sure that those organizations do not have a lot of overhead, do not have a lot of organizational cost. Because what you will find with a lot of these nonprofit organizations is that you will find a majority of their money going towards organizations and very large, very ornate buildings where the lease is very high on those buildings and very little going to help the people that are in need. I want you to know that that happens and I want you to know that you need to look very closely at those organizations that you give money to. I think it's very important for you to look closely at those. Now, you also need to know this. This is in the spirit of transparency here. Some of those organizations that have very nice buildings are given those, those buildings. So you need to look closely at, their, at how that money is being used because some of those buildings are being given to them so they don't necessarily have to pay for those buildings. So I want you to know that. 
But you have to go and do your research before you give money to an organization. I can tell you some of the organizations that we partner with, the, the, the places that they lease, they're leased at a, at a reduced, reduced, reduced cost, if not given to them, because they're, they're a nonprofit organization. We are very meticulous about the organizations that we partner with here at Simple Church because we want as much money as can possibly be used to go straight to the people that are in need because we believe that's what God's called us to do. You know why you're supposed to give? Because people have needs. Because people have needs. That's the bottom line. Why am I supposed to give, Kenny? Because people have needs. And God says that we're supposed to meet those needs. And it's just that simple. They worship together at the temple each day met in the homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. You know, I often ask myself, you know, sometimes I ask, why, why, why have we not had people come to the faith? Why have we not had people come uh, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Why have we not had people rescued from their sin and brought into the faith? Why, why is it not? And, and I go, well, we, we've been given literally a, a, a description a prescription for, for what happened in the original church and as the Lord added to this group and I, I wonder sometimes if if God's saying you know what if we would focus on these things if this would be the central preoccupation of what we're doing then maybe that's the way that's the way that God desires for us to do things so that he might be able to add to the church daily for him to be able to add to the, the congregation, to the fellowship that he might be able to add to us. That, that maybe, maybe, just maybe, that what he's saying here is that why don't you do these things? Why don't you give with generosity? Why don't you enjoy one another's fellowship? Why don't you be devoted to prayer? Why don't you be devoted to the teaching? Why don't you be devoted to these things? And, and, then, and then we can say, all right, God, we, we, we've done everything that they were doing. We've done everything that... That we feel like we're supposed to be doing according to your words. And then we can say. And we say now, now I don't understand why you wouldn't add. Now, now I don't understand. Because, because I th what I think really is what's going on a lot of times is that. That we ask why is he not adding. And the reality is. We're not even, we're not even close on, on hitting the mark on the things that, that he's shown us that we're supposed to do. I, I think that we have so much work to do. And I think that we're, we're so far from, 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 from hitting the mark on what the, the, just the core things that he's called us to do. Just the basic things he's called us to do. You mean I'm supposed to be really committed to this faith? You mean I'm really supposed to be committed to following Jesus Christ in this way? That's, that's exactly the way they were. That's exactly, I mean, I, I, you know, there's this struggle. There's this struggle in, in the Christian faith. 
that, that, that I've, I've dealt with my whole life, with people asking me this question. Can you be a believer in Jesus Christ, but not be a fully devoted disciple, a full-on follower of Jesus Christ in such a way that you're willing to give up your life and give up everything so that you will follow him? Can you just believe and just kind of skirt your way into heaven? You ever ask yourself that question? You ever wonder if some of these people are just hanging out on the fringes? If, if you know, are they going to get into heaven? They believe. They say they believe. It looks like they genuinely believe. And I would say this. Here, here's, here's my response to that. Everybody that I read about in this book that has genuine faith, no matter how long they lived after they committed themselves to that faith, they were all in on it. And they were willing to give everything for it. They were willing to give anything and everything to commit themselves to following Jesus Christ and following that faith. Now, some of them didn't have very long, admittedly. The thief on the cross didn't have very long. But I'm telling you this. What I see when I see genuine faith is I see people that are willing to do anything and everything to be fully committed to Jesus Christ. What I want to say to you is if you don't have that kind of faith, if it's, not, if it's not real in that way to you, you should examine yourself. You should look at your heart and you should call it into question. And you should really ask yourself, test yourself to see if you are in the faith. Because this, what we read in here, these are what real believers look like. Not the people across the street. Let me pray. Father, I pray that we would always compare ourselves to your word. We'd always compare ourselves to, to what you have called us to be. Now, it is so easy for us to compare ourselves to other people. It's so easy for us to compare ourselves to human beings. Lord, I know we want to do that. In our, in our minds, we just think that that's, that's what we want to do. We always want to take the easy road. Now, God, that's not what you've called us to do. Now, as we come into this place and we open up your word, as difficult as it may be, God, I pray that you always challenge us with the truth. God, that we are made sick in our souls. God, whatever it takes, God, to draw us closer to your cross, whatever it takes for us to, to fall on our face before you and say, God, we need more of your strength. We need, we need, we need more of this reality, this truth that exists in your word. God, we need more of that. So that it breaks our hearts every day. God, whatever it takes for us to shed this American culture, this Bible Belt garbage that continues to, to just try to penetrate our minds, whatever it takes, God, to get that out of us, God, I pray that you continue to show it to us. God, I'm not trying to be rebellious for the sake of being rebellious. God, I just want your, your truth to penetrate us. God, if I'm hated by everybody for that, God, so be it. So be it. Lord, I just want you to be glorified. And I want to do what you've called me to do. Lord, be glorified as we respond to you. As we fully acknowledge how much we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.